let's do my sort of catch up on the climate or climate change or global warming. I don't want to use anymore because everybody's got something to object somewhere. The bottom line is, folks, it's happening. CO2 removal is essential to achieving net zero in the future. And the sooner, the better. I know cleaning up waste may sound like eh, not the most exciting, cutting-edge area of innovation, but in the context of climate action, that's new, I like that, climate action, it is an entirely accurate description. Carbon dioxide, CO2, is the waste emitted from fossil fuels and much of the focus about combating climate change has been on cutting emissions. Increasingly, though, there's also a role for cleaning up the waste that is already present, quite literally removing CO2 from the air. We have many well-known cost-effective ways to avoid emissions at source, from renewable power to electric transport. But there are some activities, such as agriculture or, I'm, I'm a pilot, aviation, for which it is virtually impossible to eliminate all the emissions, at least in the foreseeable future. We're working on it, but it's going to be down the road for sure, folks. In the waste management business, there is a well-established, what we call a hierarchy, reduce reuse, recycle, recover, dispose of. The same can apply to the climate. Reducing the production of waste CO2 is the priority. But the story cannot and should not stop there. It seems now that CO2 removal is critical to reaching net zero emissions. And it does, it opens up the option for getting net negative which is needed in many pathways that will meet the Paris Agreement. Let's take UK. UK, because we are currently, we got dropped from the Paris Agreement thanks to Trump, but we're getting back into it. But right now we do have numbers more for the United Kingdom, the UK. UK's net zero target will involve directly removing over 100 million tons of CO2 from the atmosphere by the year 2050. And incidentally, this is in addition to eliminating almost all emissions from electricity, surface transport, manufacturing, and heating and cooling homes and buildings. And let me point out here, because it's not a really good thing, but you got to know, 100 million tons is not a small amount of waste. It is equivalent to all the current emissions from surface transport, our largest emitting sector right now. It means creating a new removables industry completely within the next 30 years. Much of this would be in rural areas where land can be restored and on the coast and the northern sea area where CO2 can be piped and stored, and they are working on that. Areas which could do with new opportunities as the industries of the past decline and the new sciences come on board. That always play into my old adage why there's no buggy whip manufacturers anymore because buggies were went out. That's what we have to do with fossil fuels. They have to go out if going to clean up this world. First, let's kind of throw together here, in my estimation, at least three things we have to think about. One is to identify and evaluate different removal techniques, and sifting the ineffective ones and supporting those that show, show more and more promise. 
The next is to understand and provide solutions for the economic, social, and political factors which will influence the deployment in the first place. That we're going to have people that are against this, and some people don't want to change. And certainly the petroleum industry, at least at this point, says they're helping, but it's really just for show. To foster a bigger and more diverse and more capable community of removal research and practice both here in the United States and, incidentally, worldwide. Let's just kind of stop here and take a little look at the possibilities of some of the things that you're going to see coming on board that we need to learn more about. For example, just storing carbon on land through trees, biochar, which we need to get into. I don't know if I remember if I've done a show on it yet or not. And peatlands, which I did do a show on either last week or week before. Research shows that working with nature has significant potential, but these can only scale up so far and the carbon can be released if land managers change their practices or fires or pests become a problem in many areas. And here I should mention other technologies that are starting to emerge which could permanently store greater amounts of CO2. Just this month in Iceland, Operations commenced at a facility to separate CO2 from air using, of all things, fans and a mixture of some chemicals and heat, incidentally, earth-friendly chemicals, and then mineralize it into, in essence, they're making volcanic rock, only we're making it way, way faster than Mother Nature does. The largest project of its kind at 4,000 tons per year. Now, that's a small part of what we need, but this is just a test. This technology has a long way to go yet to really become usable at a large scale, but it is exciting. It is stepping forward and it has great possibilities. And another project of interest that I've read about is in North Yorkshire, which is the UK's largest power station named Drax. There, they're trialing the capture of CO2 from their biopowered generators, which are already biopowered, It hopes to connect to a pipeline which will send the CO2, which is being taken out of the air by biomass as it grows, that's what we mean by biopower, to be stored under the Northern Sea. If realized, it will capture at least another 8 million tons per year just from that one facility. While a range of different techniques are emerging, they will not develop unless businesses and land managers see some kind of benefit to using them, period. It's got to be an overall plus. Current incentives are scant. Not much going on. Many carbon pricing schemes, such again, are the only ones I know of are in Europe and, and the UK. Their emission trading systems are called. Only offer a price for emission reduction, but nothing's come up for emission removal. So there's certainly more room for innovation in policy as well as in technology. Here in the United States, it's interesting, some leading tech companies, one of them's Microsoft, another one's called Stripe, and then there's Shopify. I've heard of all of them. I haven't dealt with them. They're putting in voluntary funds into early stage removal technology alongside with the federal government ahead of schedule. Folks in general, greenhouse gas removal is here to stay and is growing. The question is not whether to do it, but how to do it sustainably equitably and rapidly on the road to, of course, to net zero and maybe even net negative zero and beyond. 
There are a fascinating few years ahead for sure for anybody in that end of the business, especially in the true waste disposal business as it relates to CO2 and other pollutants. Think about this, just perhaps one of the clearest lessons coming from this COVID-19 pandemic is the folly of ignoring known risk. That's what we've done. The risk of climate change, folks, are becoming daily more and more apparent. We cannot afford to ignore the warning signs. How long are we going to let it go? We've talked about this in my little brain for 20 years and not much was going. Now it's getting critical. Look at anybody's weather anywhere across the world in the last few years. And unless you're an ostrich, which I love to use, with your head in the ground, which they don't do, all of us will have to realize that it is, if not the largest, certainly one of the largest technologies we have to learn, educate ourselves about, and figure out how to correct it. Banning gas cars. Probably doesn't sound very popular right now. The transition to electric vehicles from gas-powered vehicles is essential for reducing greenhouse gas emissions as well as air pollution in general. Currently, transportation is responsible for at least 30% of the greenhouse gas emissions here in the United States. There's no doubt that there's a surging interest in electric cars. I talk about them every week and I'm promoting all I can. There are now millions of them being sold around the world each year but they still represent just a small fraction of new car sales so far, in most places anyway. There's a few exceptions. Notable exceptions are several European countries such as Norway and Switzerland, where plug-in vehicles are dominant. In the United States, on the other hand, EVs still represent just three or 4% of car sales. Given the urgency in reducing vehicle emissions, many countries around the world have devised a plan our goals and laws to end the sale of gasoline cars. Gas car bans vary quite a bit around the world, but they are being implemented in more and more places all the time. There are 28 countries, not counting the United States, that have imposed gas car bans to take effect in the next 5 to 20 years, depending on which one you're looking at. These include European countries like Norway, Belgium, Austria, the Netherlands, Denmark, They're all way ahead of us. The UK, France, and Spain. A lot of the Asian countries. Japan's on board. China's on board, strangely enough. In the Middle East, Egypt and Israel have announced bans. Here in the US, New York and California both have bans starting in 2035. And Canada has announced a ban but hasn't given us a final date yet. Car manufacturers have seen the writing on the wall, folks. Most have started adding UVs to their lineups. Many have announced their own timetables for phasing out gas engines entirely. I know for sure Volkswagen's announced, Volvo has announced, I think Renault has announced, and a number of foreign car makers in in what I call the third world, but on the other side of the planet that are just going to quit making them all together and make all electric cars in the next decade. Right now, as of this year, there are 15 all-new totally electric models available right here in the United States that were never available before and the announcement of dozens of others of which my daughter and her husband have already 
pre-signed up, and they're hoping it'll come any day, for the electric Ford truck. And it's, it's, folks, it's not a question of if, it's only a question of when. It's got to happen. We have got to get off of this uh, dirty, pollution-laden fossil fuel. It did its thing when it had to, and no, we're not going to be off of it tomorrow. This is a long-term decision, but it has to be made. So anyway, that's my kick on EVs for the week. Thanks for staying in tune to Organic Matters.